Welcome to the Real Self University podcast. I'm Eva Shea, your host and director of practice development at Real Self. When you walk into an aesthetic practice, it's a common sight to see banner stands, pop-ups, magazines, products, iPads, books, and things on the coffee table. And for too long, our industry has been competing and fighting over that paper footprint inside the reception area. But as we reflect and reconsider everything in our post-COVID world, we're going to be forced to make decisions about every one of those items in the office to make sure patients are going to be safe. An obvious solution is to replace most of these items with a single TV screen. And my guest today believes we are about to see a dramatic acceleration in all things digital for the practice. Today on the Real Self University podcast, my guest is Nick Magruder, who's the CEO of Friend Media. And you are based where in the world, Nick? We are based out of the Bay Area, San Francisco. Okay, so Tech Town. Tell us about Friend Media. What is it and how does it work? Sure. Yeah, Friend Media, we are a tech company and we really focus on in-practice patient engagement, patient education at the point of care. So essentially what we've done is created a very easy to use platform to allow aesthetic providers to customize their their messages inside the practice. Typically, it's on the lobby TV. We've also kind of grown into the exam room and consultation room and now launching an app for iPad as well. But um, yeah, that's that's really our, our main focus is to you know really take over the, the lobby TV and, and allow these providers to tell their story. Your background, I know from stalking you on LinkedIn, is actually in, in devices in CapEx. And so can you just give us a little bit of a, a tour of what you were doing and who you were doing it with? Yes, uh, I'd be glad to. So I think 2005, I came into the industry. Hard to believe it's been that long, but I came in through Sinusure and really kind of understood the capital sales process and spent a couple of years there. And then most of my career what is now Sulta Medical. At the time, it was Reliant Technologies. And in 2007, it was early years of the Fraxel laser, the fractional you know, resurfacing with, if you can think back to the blue dye on these patient faces and the Smurf effect, if you will. You know, we, were, we were bringing that to market and people thought we were nuts, but it, it kind of revolutionized resurfacing. And it was a lot of fun and you know, really kind of kicked off my career. I, I spent about 10 years at Sulta so we went from Reliant Technologies and then acquired by Solta. So we got to start looking at, at ways to introduce other modalities for tightening like Thermage. I helped launch the Clear and Brilliant brand. They brought in Vaser for body contouring. So it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, and I think it was around 2015 or 16, Solta was acquired by Valiant Pharmaceuticals, which is now uh, more known as uh, Bausch Health. So I was, you know, another opportunity to learn and kind of see how all these different kind of sub companies work under one on alone, you know, some challenges, but a lot of learning opportunities. And then I go from a company, you know, Valiant that had maybe 19,000 employees to a company from media that had like nine employees. So very interesting, but it's been a great ride. And I just, I've kind of got hooked in this medical aesthetic environment and looking forward to seeing it continue to blossom. You just took me on a tour of my own career, basically, because <laughs> yeah. I started in internet marketing in 2003. And so it was just slightly before you started, but like I remember the launch of Thermage. Yeah. And that was 
before Thermage and Fraxel were both owned by Solta. So you started on the Fraxel side and you came up through through that path. I did. I did. Yep. Yeah, I had forgotten about the blue dye. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's really interesting. And then so you were not part of Smart Lipo when that launched with Sinusure that came after you uh, left Sinusure? That was on the tail end. As I was uh, leaving, that was kind of coming in. At the time, they had like a group of surgical specialists that were starting to sell that in the major markets. And uh, really, that was that was probably one of my you know biggest decisions career wise was you know to kind of stick around and work on the the smart lipo piece or roll the dice on a more of a startup in Reliant that had something very novel. And um, you know I, I chose that route, and it's it, it was a great ride. I often refer back to the launch of Smart Lipo because that was the first marketing effort that actually went to lean on the consumer to drive demand to the doctor. And they kind of broke the mold with that. Yes. And I think the smarter companies like Fraxel and later on Solta kept going that way and included the consumer as part of their strategy. But this was all before, I mean, real self didn't exist then. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody was just trying stuff, including me. I was just throwing spaghetti and seeing what, what stuck. And a lot of what stuck was content about procedures like Fraxel and Thermage. And, and um, because of that consumer demand, people were finding us and then finding the providers that you sold those machines to. <laughs> Full so, circle. Full yeah, circle, we, were, right? we were on two sides of the same coin. Okay, so I'm interested in hearing how you got the idea to start Friend Media. You obviously had a very safe job and went to one that was, you know, if you only have nine employees now, you, you probably did this by yourself for a minute. Yeah. Tell us about the beginning. Like, how, how did you get there? Well, actually, so to clarify, so Friend Media existed uh, prior to me coming on board. Friend Media was established in the Bay Area around 2014-15. And, you know, they really kind of focused... Their, their biggest footprint was in the educational space. And they were doing wayfinding and menu boards and, and things like that, where you can control content remotely. You know, they were in, in retail. The original concept was for the quote-unquote sales team. It was you know, one or two people at the time to go into, uh, into the city in, in San Francisco on, in Haight-Ashbury and, and work with all those local privately owned vendors and, and companies and help them promote not only themselves, but each other. In the neighborhood, so they were kind of looking at ways to cross promote and, and raise awareness of of the whole block or, or area and keep the the business, you know, hyper local. Hyper local, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of came into the fold around 2016 in more of a consulting capacity, and we agreed to really focus and really pivot the company to 100% into healthcare and specifically medical aesthetics. You know, if I look back to my Valiant days where you had all these great brands under one umbrella, it was always a struggle. And how do you cross promote these? How do you get the sales teams work together? How do you get the modalities to be synergistic? And one of the misses was just in practice marketing and, and driving the awareness that, you know, this one plus one equals three mentality that. Fraxel and Thermage could be very beneficial. And then you, you know, you look at the skincare and the injectables and, and, and all this stuff. So that that's kind of where I, I immediately saw the pain point and the need to help drive and fix, you know, in practice marketing. 
but uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the path. And and now we're you know we've been very hyper focused in medical aesthetics, and probably towards the end of this year we'll start launching into some other verticals. You know, we have a lot of interest from from dental, from vision. Interestingly, vet hospitals. Uh, we're we're looking at partnerships there, but we're very committed to the medical aesthetic space. A lot of opportunity to go take over all these TVs and help the providers. You know, really drive the awareness and, and help them build the business with the clientele they already have. Who was your first metastatic customer? Who was the first doctor to actually use this? Um, Stephen Ronan, Blackhawk Plastic Surgery in uh, Danville, California, suburb of the, the Bay Area. We walked this in to his office. He had screens everywhere, but they're all off. And, you know, we asked them like, you know, what if we had an easy way for you to control this content? And that's where we originally started digging into the best patient coming through that office. They only knew of about 20% of what was offered. So we started with the waiting room TV. We quickly started, maybe not quickly, I'll back up on that. We over time realized that it's not just the lobby or the waiting room TV where we could participate. It was also in the exam rooms and consultation rooms. Interestingly, you know, when we started looking at how, how can we use social media inside the office, when you look at the exam room, and then we found this with Dr. Ronan and also with Dr. Swangle, refined dermatology in San Jose, you know, when, you, when you can have screens in the treatment rooms, obviously the providers don't want to compete over another voice in the room. So it's always going to be optimized with no volume. Just playing Instagram and Facebook are proven to be very engaging. You have a provider that walks in the room. It's more of a one-on-one intimate conversation. And the patients are likely going to comment on something they're seeing on the screens. So we, we quickly kind of you know, realized that our total addressable market wasn't the waiting room, but it was really, you know, every everywhere inside brick and mortar, the treatment rooms, you know, consultation rooms, and giving the providers the ability to drive the customization and and really make it about their brand gives them the flexibility to have it fit in their practice in the right way. I used to talk about the effect that reviews had on conversions, and so I kind of went through a long kick where I would would suggest that you put reviews everywhere, like magical pixie dust, because they make people buy stuff. And then I would joke that you should actually print them out and put them in the bathroom. So <laughs> have you thought about putting a screen in the bathroom at all? Has anyone asked you to, to do that? I will not name names, but I will <laughs> tell you we have screens in bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason there's advertising in, in bar and restaurant bathrooms. It's because you're captive. It's brilliant. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to go into detail, but it, it is a captive audience, you know, and th- there's always opportunity to, you know, to continue, continue to educate. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend the bathroom screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what other kinds of innovative or interesting uses have practices come up with that you never would have thought of? Can you think of anything? Um, you know, I mean, obviously nothing gets too crazy. I mean, we're still in the healthcare environment, but I think one of the kind of the coolest ways that we saw this kind of run on its own is we have this big interest in social media and I I think aesthetics, Instagram is such a a huge platform and and that's not my, you know, specialty. You can bring in other guests to, in fact, I've listened to your other podcasts where you guys break that down. But for us, the, the ability to drive dynamic feeds of Instagram and Facebook inside the practice 
where it stays current with the most recent five or 10 posts, let's say, you know, you, you, from a content standpoint, it's really changed where providers, you don't necessarily have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to, to create new content. You know, a staffer with an iPhone getting five or 10 or 20 second videos of a patient testimonial or an injectable or a procedure and pushing that out to traditional social media, we're also capturing that in real time on the lobby TV. So it's very cost-effective. It stays current with the most recent content. It doesn't grow old. The oldest ones fall off. The newest ones come on. And it doesn't take a lot to manage. So that's, that's, that was probably the biggest kind of surprise to us is the impact on social media inside the practice. So they can post in real time. They, they take a photo with a phone, post it to Instagram. It appears on the, the lobby screen in how, how soon? A minute? Uh, yeah. So our, our providers, they all have a dashboard where they can create, a, customize a playlist. And then they just drag and drop that playlist to the TV of their choice. So in that playlist, it could be a variety of things. It could be industry content. It could be their own images or videos. It could be social media. It could be the weather. So what we try to do is, is we try to consult with the, with the providers and really try to gauge what their average wait time is. You know, there's some data out there AMSPA references 19 minutes, average of 19 minutes to see an aesthetic provider. Sometimes that's a little longer for the plastics and dermatologists. Uh, sometimes it's very short for medical spas. That's the really the first question we start with when we, when we start doing our, our training with the providers. And then we take that number. If it's 19 minutes or 15, we really try to divide that in two and allow the providers, or, I'm sorry, the patients, you know, really two opportunities to to engage with that content, three or four or 10, it's too much. One, you might miss it. So we, we, that's our kind of rule of thumb. And it, it's, you know, it tends to work. So to your point or to your question, it, it's, it's almost in real time. So once that playlist gets to the bottom and, and starts to loop over again, you know, that content has been captured from the cloud and it's, you know, now streaming on the TV. So if something makes it through to the feed that they don't want, they can immediately go pull it back down or... Or is there a way that they can approve social posts? I'm not worried about the posts themselves. What I'm getting at is like if patients are commenting or somebody comments and it's not something that they want to be in the feed. Yeah, to be clear, in our in our platform, all the only thing coming through on the screen is either the image or the video kind of on the right of the screen. And then the text from that post scrolls on the left. And then it shows the the handle. So patients are encouraged to, you know, to jump onto Instagram and, and follow, but we do not show any comments from Facebook or Instagram. So it's, it's you know, it, there's not a big need to kind of police that because if they're going to send it to traditional social, then it should be fine for the, for the practice as well. So it's not like sitting at a baseball game and tweeting and waiting for your tweet to show up on the billboard. Uh, no, you you could do that. You know, we have a, a function where we have like the ability to do like Twitter hashtags. So you could pick a hashtag of, you know, real self and whatever is coming through on real self, it could in theory capture that on the screen, but you, you just have to be careful with that. So yeah, yeah. it's, we, we've just simplified everything. You know, the only thing they're going to see is like the number of likes or hearts in the bottom portion of the screen, but uh, everything else is, is hidden from a, a comment standpoint. I would think that it'd be pretty risky to to just like have unfettered access to the engagement part of social media. So I, I'm I'm relieved to hear that it's super safe that that's not coming through. 
it, it's safe. And, you know, there's, there's not a lot of data, I don't think, on what percentage of patients coming through the door actually following you on your social media feeds, Instagram, Facebook. We've talked about trying to capture some of that from industry and, and from providers, but I, I think it's a big opportunity to display the content and recruit additional followers and have them actually be patients versus people that are just out in, in uh, social media world. It's super hard to get audience on, especially on Instagram. Right now, the only followers you have are the ones who already know you. It used to be a lot easier to get new followers from Instagram's own algorithm. But last summer, they changed it. And so we pivoted and started saying the best way to get followers is to ask people who already know you. And it seems to me that putting something in your friend media feed would be a great way to do that. Yeah. So we can customize that call to action. So on the screen, you can just... You can display the content on full screen where it takes up you know, all the screen, or you can, uh, we have a, a function called like multi-zone. So you can have a little ticker at the bottom of the screen and the ticker could say, be sure to follow us at real self or at, you know, Dr. So-and-so, or it could say, be sure to, you know, leave us a review or, you know, it, it could promote an event coming up. So whatever that kind of core, you know, message theme, the providers have tons of flexibility in, in customization to encourage that patient to follow or act on something without being too salesy. Makes sense. And I would do something like follow us now to get a free skincare sample kit so that you then you'd actually get a tangible, tangible evidence that they did it right in front of you. And that it's not bribery. I swear it's not. (laughs) I want to ask you about lobbies, aesthetic practice lobbies. You've probably been in a a lot of them from your previous work and from this work. Yes. (laughs) And I, I think about lobbies a lot because I obsess about little things like how much stuff is in the lobby. Is there too much stuff? Is there not enough stuff? And I'm curious what your experience has been with that specifically around the amount of collateral and messaging that sits in someone's lobby and whether you think it's a good idea, a bad idea, what's your opinion on lobby marketing in general? Yeah. So I think at a high level, you have the providers who are providing the services from industry and all the manufacturers. And you know, at a high level, all the manufacturers, all the sales reps are trying to do their best to help drive awareness. I think for too long, the industry has been really kind of competing and fighting over the paper footprint inside of a lobby or waiting room or reception area or even in a treatment room. And, you know, as you know, this, you know, they can be inundated in paper trifold brochures, hundreds of them on the wall, you know, no diamonds in the rough. What do I pick up first? Um, and then you have the the banner stands and the pop-ups and, and, then you get down to magazines and things that are on the coffee table. And I think absolutely, yes, you can have too much. We just try to focus on a couple things. One, making sure that we are helping that provider express their brand to their, to their patients. And then two, you know, really kind of declutter, especially now coming out in this post-COVID world. I think there's a lot of education that needs to happen on how these providers are following certain protocols and and things to make sure the patients are going to be safe. 
I think these magazines that have been floating around lobby coffee tables for months or years, they have to be cleaned up. So I think if anything, obviously a lot of challenges in the world right now. For us, we really, I think we are about to see an acceleration in all things digital for these practices. And we just want to carve out this one little niche in the world and in the lobby, in the reception area where we can push it to digital. We can save a tree. You can reduce the paper waste and, and really customize and push content relevant to your practice that patients are going to engage with. You know, this consumer, they're engaging in a digital media almost 24-7. So, so why would that be different inside of a waiting room? I love what you just said about decluttering for safety reasons, because I think that's going to be the first and most important part of reopening for everybody is making sure that their audience, that their patients and their prospective patients all feel safe to return. Yeah, we're trying to figure figure out what that new normal is going to look like. And we're reaching out to our car customers on, on what they want to see from us and how we can help them message and educate and, and make sure their clients feel safe. It's a big project for us right now. And you know, luckily, luckily we have time to to get ahead of that right now. Yeah. Time. Time is the most interesting part of this whole COVID scenario is that I feel like I have less time than I've ever had before because our audience, our doctor audience and our marketing colleagues all have a different kind of time right now. Yeah, it's been interesting. Okay. What's on the horizon for Friend Media? What are you working on now? Other than safety? Um, what are we working on? Yeah, there, there's a lot. Uh, and obviously everything, you know, kind of gets put on the sideline for, for a minute. So, you know, the, obviously the first thing we're trying to do is just make sure our our team, our employees are, are taken care of. Our providers are in a good position to help communicate and message coming out of this. But then at, at kind of a higher level, we're work, you know, the, the, we're about to release a, a 2.0 version of our content management system, which will bring a lot of new things to the table. So kind of depending on when this podcast is released, these may or may not be available. But you know, we get a lot of requests from our clients. Okay, you know, all this content in my, my dashboard, this is great that I can send this to the TVs. Can I send this to my website? Could I push this to social? You know, we're getting interest from the telemedicine industry in creating not only... Obviously, we have our waiting room, but is there an opportunity to build a virtual waiting room and start you know, really serving educational content and ads and you know, materials as the patients are, are waiting for the providers to come in? This is a whole new opportunity for us and, and you know, the industry to really engage with. Uh, so we're looking at some of these projects and, and partnerships at the end of last year, you know, we really started to build our brand sponsorship programs where industry is using our friend media platform as a value add component and helping patient pull through and recruiting and ensuring the, you know, the, the messaging is clean and accurate and concise and relevant inside the practice. Uh, so that's been a big one for us. So a lot, a lot going on. And, and the, the interesting thing is when you have a pandemic, you know, everything changes overnight. So what's still relevant and what's not, that's kind of what we're sorting through right now. Mm-hmm. Us too. On this podcast, we always ask everybody the same question to kind of wrap it up. So I want to ask you, what's your unique superpower? 
Uh, my unique superpower. I, I would say that uh, my superpower is being blessed uh, with good genes. I have two great parents, and they've both been very successful in different ways. And I feel fortunate that I've been able to to capture some of the good from from both of them. And it's helped me with things like work ethic and being humble and all these skill sets that you that you need in in entrepreneurships and startup. So I, I always think back to to my parents, and it's been a blessing. So I think that's my uh, my that's my superpower that uh, that I have that maybe no one else does. I can see it. I like it. Thanks for joining us today, Nick. We'll see you uh, next time. We'll be definitely checking back with you to see how things are going. Absolutely, Eva. Thank you so much for hosting. I, I really enjoy the podcast and uh, look forward to see more content. You can count on that. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it. And Real Self University is here to help aesthetic professionals do just that. The mission of our podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions, email university at realself.com. Support us and help us keep this effort going by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, go to realself.com slash network and enter referral code podcast to receive 50% off your first full month of Real Self Spotlights. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.